0: Two, one, let's go. Welcome to the Fiction Addiction Podcast.
1: A podcast where we go one-on-one with fiction creators, such as authors, filmmakers, actors, songwriters, and more. Each episode, we get the inside scoop on our guests' creative process, the ups and downs of their industries, and our
0: guests also give out tips and tricks that help them become successful. And now... Let's jump into the episode with your host, Chris C.L. Lowry. All right, all right, all right. My next guest is a proud wife, a mother of two boys and three stepchildren, and she is also a grandmother. She worked as a patient service representative for 15 years until she had to stop working to take care of her youngest son who has autism. While on her journey of motherhood, she decided that autism would not be a problem in her life, so she made it her purpose. She wrote the children's book, Jay Just Wants to Play, which is based off an experience her son had. From that experience, she went on to publish the book and also start an autism family support group called Autism REC, Resources, Encouragement, and Coping. And she is also from my city, Philly. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Jamila Tucker Mulero with us. Thank you for joining us, Jamila. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for
1: having me.
0: All right, let's start with your journey as a mother. Um, how has that experience been, especially with a house full of children?
1: Um, it's it was it's been rough, but uh through the grace of God I've been making it with my village, which is my mother and my sister and also my husband. Um, and my brother, I can't forget him. They have been a big support. My first child is not by my husband. Um and his father wasn't around too much. Um, so it's been a journey, but I wouldn't change it for the world.
0: All right. So how has your experience been as a grandmother?
1: Um, It's been exciting. Um, it's good to have him over, but, you know, also send him back home to his mother. <laughs> 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 um. But it's, it's it's been a wonderful experience. All right.
0: So, what were the, like the emotions like when you first found out you were going to be like your grandmother?
1: Um, excited, uh, nervous at the same time. Um, my stepdaughter, she uh, she went through some trials and tribulations in her life. Uh, recently, she was just on Doctor Eyes telling okay. her story. Um, about her being adopted in oh, wow. 2014 so after that abduction and knowing that she was still you know facing some issues and having some trials and tribulations in her life after going through what she went through it was kind of nervous for me as well as for her and her father as well but she's a wonderful mother um and Again, it's just been a wonderful journey to see him grow and to see her grow into motherhood.
0: Right. So you spent 15 years as a patient service rep. Yes. And then you had to stop working, um, obviously, to take care of your youngest son who has autism. Um, how difficult was that time for you?
1: Um, Very difficult. Um, I stopped working because with my son having autism, he, at times, tried to hurt himself and tried to hurt other people. And me being used to working, having a two-income household, we went from two incomes to one income. So that was tough, but I knew in my heart that I had to do what I had to do for my son. And God put me in a position for a reason. Um. So with that, again, it was a struggle. Um. We had our ups and downs. Um, There was times when lights got turned off and, you know, had to go to family and reach out to family for help. But again, my village, they stepped up and they helped me. Um, So it was it was rough at first, but I knew what I had to do for my son. I was there always for my patients, for my doctors. And God was just telling me, it's time for you to be there for your family.
0: Right, right. So, did you know much about autism um, before your son was born?
1: No, I didn't. Um, I had fam um, a cousin, a younger cousin who was diagnosed with autism, but I wasn't around him or his mother that much to actually know much about it or to see what they were going through. Um, so it was all new to me, and. It was like the most hurting thing that I would say I went through, besides my do- my stepdaughter being abducted. But um, just the doctors telling us that, you know, your son has autism, they didn't give us any type of resources. They didn't tell us what the next steps were. So I had to do my own research and find everything out on my own, which is one of the reasons why I started Autism Rec to help other families to not go through what I went through with the doctors just saying, Hey, your son has autism, here's a referral. Um, so it it changed me and made me a better person and just made me focus on doing what I had to do for my son.
0: Yeah, definitely. But so what was the referral for? So what like the doctors, like what was there? um
1: Um, the referral was for him to um Going to an autism center where he would get more support um, for me to get an evaluation from a psychiatrist to see how depth his uh, autism was if he was on the low mm. spectrum or the high spectrum of autism. So my son is on the low spectrum of autism. Um, he needs our assistance with most of what he has to do throughout life. Um, he's 10 years old now. He was diagnosed when he was two. And um he just started he started talking and saying full sentence at the age of eight. Mm. He didn't start going to the bathroom on his own till age seven. So it was it was tough and it's like every day you learn something new about autism. It's it's just the up and down roller coaster at times.
0: Right. So what motivated you To take control of your life in regards to turning the tables on autism and finding your purpose?
1: Um, I just got tired of being depressed. I got tired of not knowing what to do. Um so I just I just said, you know, I have to step up as a mother, and not only as a mother, but as an autism mother now. And I just did my research on um, ways to help him cope with his meltdowns and his tantrums and his outbursts and him hurting himself or trying to hurt other people. I just I went to the library and got me a library card and started reading. And then after a while, once I got the hang of it and um, was able to cope with it, I said, uh-huh. Well, maybe this is my purpose. Maybe this is why God brought this into my life—not just to help myself and my son, but to help other people. Um. So. And I just, I, again, I just, I just didn't want to be, the like feeling like a victim or feeling like why me, and right. I just wanted to feel like why not me, like right? so. I just wanted to change the way I looked at everything.
0: Right. Yeah, definitely. So for parents out there that don't understand, um, what is the difference between raising a child with autism and raising a child uh, that doesn't have autism?
1: Um, Raising a child with autism, they can't tell you their wants and their needs. They can't tell you um, what's hurting. Um, they can't speak for themselves, so you're like their voice. They don't understand danger. They don't understand when they're in harm. They take pain better than uh, any other normal child or normal adult. They can deal with it. Um, so, and with my oldest son, I never had to worry about him wandering off. I never had to worry about him um being uncomfortable around family or just basically going out to the supermarket um so it's 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 a lot different and you just got to have patience and again I'm a family that I'm a person that grew up in the church so I believe in faith I believe in God so you just got to put your trust and your faith in God. He wouldn't have put this on you if you couldn't handle it. You just got to have patience. It takes a lot of patience.
0: Mm-hmm. I think you just answered my next question. So for parents out there who have autistic children, what advice would you give them?
1: Um, Just to step back for a minute. Take a deep breath. Is not the end of the world. It's not a death sentence. Your child can be successful. Um, Your child can basically, I don't want to say have a normal life, but somewhat of a normal life with your help and your support. Um, Anything is possible.
0: So tell me more about Autism Rec, uh, the support group you started.
1: So, I started Autism Rec uh, two years ago, around the same time I started with the book. Um, My son, at first, he was um, not sociable, he stayed to himself. Um, But once he turned like seven or eight, he wanted to, you know, be around other kids, he wanted to play with other kids. But with him having autism, the normal kids didn't understand him or didn't want to play with him because
0: mm-hmm.
1: maybe he didn't play with the basketball the right way or um, he didn't know how to throw catch, play catch with the football. So normal kids didn't want to be around him. So I just went on Facebook and found a couple of autism support groups, reached out to a couple of parents and said, can we get together for a play date? And From there, that's how Autism Rec started. Um, I just had a little get-together that turned into like a big party (laughs) because a (laughs) lot of parents and a lot of kids showed up, and that just made me see that it was needed. So from there, I tried to do events um, at least once a month. Uh, We have Halloween parties. We have uh, back-to-school parties where we – Give the parents book bags and school supplies, which is not much, but it's one less thing that a parent has to worry about. Uh-huh. And a lot of parents don't like taking their kids out in public because of the meltdowns and um, because of the stares and the you know negative people that's out there that may say things about your child in a way that they're behaving. So I just tried to make that one less thing that a parent had to worry about. Mm-hmm. We also do um, the turkey basket giveaways around Thanksgiving. And we try to um, do a Christmas party where we, at at the Thanksgiving uh, event, we'll have the kids make their Christmas list or wish list and we'll take each uh, item or something off of their list and give it to the kids once they come back for the the Christmas party.
0: Mm. So, why was it? important for you to start this type of support group?
1: Um because I didn't have it for myself. Um I wanted other parents to get together uh like a meet and greet and know that you're not alone. Um you have other parents that's going through the same thing you're going through. Um my son is 10 so if somebody that's coming into the group who child just got diagnosed at two or three, um, we can be that support and help them along the way. Um, then you have young, younger teenagers that's having kids and they don't know, you know, how to even begin to be a parent, let alone getting a diagnosis that your child now has autism. So I just wanted to be that support for another parent. And be that support for another child and bring the kids together so they can have somebody to play with and maybe even find a forever friend within the group.
0: Hmm. So how beneficial has the group been to your son?
1: Um, it's been very beneficial. He um he had his first sleepover this summer. Um he's made friends, he's played with other kids, he found kids that likes the same thing that he likes. And when we get together, he runs to that child that he saw at the last event and they sitting down Mm -hmm. and they may not be holding a conversation, but they're doing their thing, whatever they like to do. If it's playing with Blade Blades or whether it's just, you know, um acting like they're dragon ball z or super mario and luigi they're just together doing their thing
0: now in today's society do you believe there's enough autism awareness um
1: i would say yes and no um i would say yes because there's a lot more organizations that's um doing the sensory rooms or that's making it autism friendly for kids Um, and I would say no because you have grown adults that uh, give you the look because your son is having a meltdown not knowing that he's having a meltdown because there's maybe mm. too much noise and he's not comfortable with all the noise that's going around or the lighting is making it difficult. So they have sensory issues along with having autism. So um, that's why I would say yes and no. Um, there are programs where um, they have cops coming out, and the cops is getting familiar. But um, you know, being a black mother and having a black son, and my child doesn't communicate too well. Um, I worry that okay, if he's shaking his hands because he shake his hands when he's nervous or um, with a cop, then you know pull his gun out and things like that. So that's why I would say yes and no.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and I saw some of that stuff online where they have the seat belts, um, The I guess the seatbelt covers that go yeah. across that says, "My child has autism. He's not. He's not going to respond. He's not going to respond to orders and things like that." Um, that's, I think that's needed. That's definitely needed. Um, just so, like you said, so you have these children that have these reactions, like, uh, somebody that is a police officer doesn't overreact, you know what I mean? And, and take it too far, not knowing how to deal with somebody with autism. Um, how has, has your organization, your your support group, have you, have you guys worked with, uh, the local police departments to uh, bridge that gap to help
1: um, not as of yet um but there are different organizations out there that have worked with the police but we haven't worked with them yet um one of the reasons why is because we're not non-profit as of yet so um that's like the first thing they ask me when i call and ask them to come out well are you non-profit okay. and what is your group about but um, I've never had a cop actually come out to see or to talk to other parents to, you know, see their worries, their concerns about their kids.
0: Which is crazy because it shouldn't really matter. You know what I mean? <laughs> if you need, Like, you pay taxes, right. you're a citizen, you have a concern for your child, your family, uh, other right. children, the neighborhood. So, like... That's crazy that the department like that that's their focus like you know what i mean are you non-profit it shouldn't matter like you're a taxpayer yeah. citizen um with a concern that should be addressed by them you know what i mean so <laughs> that's definitely something yeah. uh to push forward um and still getting that you you still getting your voice heard still getting your organization heard because i don't think that that shouldn't matter you know what i mean they sh- that shouldn't be their focus on who they work with and who they don't work with right um how about resources for parents and children? Um, are there enough resources out there? Especially, I know sometimes it also matters what city you're in. So, how about Philly? Like, how how are the resources in Philly for parents of children with autism and autistic children as well?
1: Um, the resources is good. I would say it's better than some other cities. Um. What I don't like is some of the support groups or some of the inclusion uh, groups that they have. They cut you Mm -hmm. off after a certain age or um, the services that you get, they cut your child off after a certain age. So since my son is 10, he's not able to do like the autism gym because they stop at age seven or he's not able to go to Smith's playground for their sensory day because they also stop at age seven. So, um, that was another reason why I decided to start my group because I don't want it to be an age limit because yeah, my son is 10, but my son has the mind of a five year old. Mm. So he shouldn't be excluded because of his age. He should be included because it's, is supposed to be autism friendly and he has autism so he it shouldn't be cut off at a certain age.
0: So I also saw on on my on, on your social media that you assist like the teachers in developing a uh, classroom curriculum geared towards autistic children. Yeah. Um how was yeah. that? How was that experience and uh why do you think that's important for the teachers to be educated um, as well?
1: I think it's important because a lot of these teachers, they don't get training on how to communicate with the autism child. Or in the Philadelphia school district, you have so many kids to one teacher that she's not able to focus on that child that may need her attention the most or that's not communicating, and when that child feels like he's not being heard, that's when they start to wander off. Then I also, you get parents that's on social media that, you know, they want to, I guess, vent and explode on social media about what their teachers are not doing. But how about you as a parent step up and help the teachers? Um. Let the teachers know what your child is comfortable with, or what your child can and cannot do, instead of just biting them in the back and
0: mm-hmm. talking
1: dirty about them. Like I just, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just don't get it. It again, it takes a village to to raise these kids, and right. not just the autism kids. It it takes a village to raise kids, period.
0: Period. <laughs> so,
1: you know. <laughs> Come together instead of, you know, separating and saying, oh, oh, she going to hear my mouth tomorrow. No, find out what you can do to help. Mm -hmm. Find out what what it is that made your son have a bad report for that day. And once you find that out, maybe you can talk to the teacher or do other things to help it so that his days is better. Throughout the rest of the school year.
0: Yeah, that's definitely that's definitely important. So is that something you can do through uh your organization, your group? Like uh can schools reach out to you um yeah through the group to get that type of curriculum put into their classroom? Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Oh, that's dope. That's definitely dope. I
1: also I also give it to the parents. Um again, my son, he just started talking. He started saying like one or two words at age seven he started saying maybe a complete sentence at age eight but we still can't have that back and forth conversation right um so we used the picture exchange system when he wasn't talking so if your son wants something but you don't know what he wants, if he see it on a picture he can give you that picture and let you know this is what i want so I also, is available to the parents, it's available to teachers, daycares. I just, again, I want to, if I can help one person, I feel like I did my job. Yeah, definitely. And I felt like I completed a great mission.
0: So once he was born, when, at what age or around what time did you realize there was something going on with his uh, development?
1: So, when he was born, he was born four months mm. ago.
0: Um,
1: so, he weighed one pound, six ounces when he was born. Um, they didn't expect him to make it overnight. Even when he made it overnight, they didn't expect him to make it past a week. So, um, when he did make it past a the week, they set us down and me and my husband set us down and talked to us to let us know that he probably will have some um developmental delays. Um so once he stayed in the hospital. He was born March seventeenth. He stayed in the hospital till after Father's Day. Um so he stayed in the hospital for about three months. After he was released from the hospital we had um therapists and things come out to the house to help him with his development and I would say at one like he wasn't saying he would say hi he would say bye but about like one and a half two years old he stopped mm. saying anything and he never gave us any type of eye contact um, and with him being born premature he had to follow up with the special babies clinic at children's hospital. And they were watching him and watching his development. And they actually um, said, told me that they, he had autism and he was diagnosed at age two. with autism.
0: So how was that? How was getting that news? I know you, you you knew officially you got the um, news early on um, when he was born, that it was the possibility, but when he, when he turned two and you, actually got the the news how was that and dealing with that and where was your starting point for all the parents that are listening that are around this time where you were where was the starting point of uh getting yourself your family on the right track
1: um so when I first got the diagnosis I felt like my world just stopped I felt like that was a death sentence for my son. Again, not only because he's black and he's a boy, but because now he doesn't have a voice and he has a disability, so how would the world treat him? Um. So I would say I just, I went through a depressing stage, Um. but then I just, I I stopped myself and I had a talk with myself and said that it's not the end of the world. So that's when I googled autism to find out what autism was about. Um, I went to the library and I, at 30 years old, I'm getting a library card at 30 trying to figure out, okay, let me read some books and find out what's wrong with my son. How can I help my son? Um, what does he need to be to not just be successful, but to succeed and to make it and to not be judged? So I just I did my own research because I wasn't getting anywhere with the doctor's offices, and um, at that time they wasn't accepting private insurance um for treatment. You had to be on the welfare mm. insurance in order to get it um treatment or in order for my son to go to the center for autism that's on Ford Road. Um so I felt like every time I was getting a step ahead or getting the information that I needed, right. I felt like I was being pushed back even more because I have private insurance with my husband's job, so he can't get into the autism center because they don't accept our insurance. Um, so then my job at the time, which was ankle and foot, they heard about um me not being able to get my child in the center for autism. So they wrote a check for the oh, center wow. for autism for my son to get treatment, but then to find out the check wasn't going to cover the full treatment. It was only going to cover maybe about two or three days of treatment when my son needed treatment right. just about every day, at least three to four times out the week. Um. So it was like, I've, again, I got to step ahead because my job is going to pay for it. But then they pushed it back because it's not enough to cover all of the treatment that he needed um so then i was told to go down social security and apply for social security but when i applied for social security they said oh you make too much money Mm. so went down to the i was told again to go to the welfare office to apply for their insurance then they said oh again you make too much money and his father's job offers health insurance
0: Insurance, yeah
1: so then i had to go back and do more research to find out since my son has this diagnosis he's able to get insurance with or without my income being recorded oh really yes and that's another thing that a lot of parents don't know it's actually um a law is a ph 29 That states that your child is able to get health insurance and it's not based on the income. So once I found that out, I went back down to the welfare office, told them about what I know. And when you go in there talking like you got some sense and like, like, you know, and you done educated yourself. (laughs) Yeah, they change up real quick. So (laughs) He was able to get the insurance that he needed and he was able to start the Center for Autism. Um, so he went there for about a year until so he was, you know, um, too old to uh, continue to attend there. So we was fighting to get this insurance and get these benefits for about a year and a half. And then when we get him in there, he's only able to stay there for a year. For a year. That's crazy. So again, I had to go back to Google and go back to the books and read some more and find out how can I get my son some other services. So it, it's been it's been a journey, but again, I wouldn't change it for the world because it's made me a better person. Mm. It made me educate myself. It's helping me to educate other parents right. Um, so it's so I said it takes time and it takes patience. and I don't recommend anybody doing this alone. and that's why I again offer my services when you do it alone and you by yourself, it's very hard and it's very stressful, it's very overwhelming. Um, you feel like you don't have no time for yourself or for your other kids. So it's it it played a big toll on my whole entire family, even my husband. Um he was blaming himself. Um he he left for a minute because he You know he said he couldn't handle it but you know again with prayers and the grace of god he came back and we going through this together
0: right as y'all should you know i mean it's important to to have that support and be together um to deal with with family issues you know what i mean you need family need that family support so your writing journey when did your writing journey begin
1: um, I would say I always wanted to write, and I've always wanted to write a children's story. So with the instant, um, again, the book is based on a true event that happened. My son was outside playing. He wanted to play with the other kids, but they at first they wasn't playing him no mind. And then um, he went out again and wanted to play again. And one little boy played with him for a little bit. But once his friends came, he left my son, and my son was sad. So I just, I took that and just wanted to write a story about it because maybe I can help a normal child see a child with a disability in a different way. Maybe they'll have some empathy, and maybe they'll have a little bit of understanding about how kids feel with a disability when you turn them down or you making fun of them because they have a disability or because they not talk in the way that you talk. Um, so that's what made me wanna put it out there not just to give awareness to parents, but to give awareness for these kids because some of these kids can be bullied. And maybe if, you know, if it's a story that'll show him that this child was sad because you didn't want to throw him the basketball, or this child was sad because he had no friends, maybe you can be a friend to that child who has no friends, regardless of his disability.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, in the book, uh, your children's book, uh, Jay just wants to play. It is, and it not only has. A positive message in it about uh the friendship and how important it was and how important it is to make friends and to and to treat other children with respect but it also explained the specific characteristics your son displays when he's playing um right so i think that was important to put into the book like you said other children reading this will now get some type of understanding of okay just because someone's doing something different than me that doesn't mean that they're doing something wrong you know what I mean like you like right. you mentioned with the with the basketball if they don't play the basketball the same way and you know what I mean they don't throw the football the same way that doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong that's just the way they play you know what I mean right so right. those so that moment um when because it's a touching it's a touching moment in that story when you when you actually read it and and, and see the incident and how it played out um, in the beginning. Obviously, it took a very positive turn uh, afterwards, but how was that moment um, for you as a parent and seeing uh, your son go through that?
1: Um, It hurt. Um, It was like he was sad, so that made me sad, and then it just made me look at it like, is he going to go through this for the rest of his life? Will he ever have friends? Um, will he ever have that someone that he can, that'll come knock on the door and say, hey, can he come outside and play?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Will he have the same childhood that I had? Um, it just, it, it was a hurting feeling. So, And to see my son sad and crying because he didn't, the kids didn't want to play with him it 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 hurt. And it was also um like I said he before he would play by himself and didn't want to be around other kids. So to see him actually try to reach out to play with a child, it brought joy to my heart, but then it hurt my heart when they rejected him. So and then um when the little boy, I guess because he was out there playing by himself. Um, he felt like, okay, well, let me play with this little boy. And so my friends get here. So even though he played with him for about like five or ten minutes, that just warmed my heart because my son was happy and it, it put a smile on his face and I got to see him play with other kids. Right. So it was like, okay, now... I can I maybe have to take it a step further and that's why I did the support group and reached out to other parents on Facebook.
0: So did you did those, did those other kids end up ever getting a copy of the book to see um that scenario and, and just to see your son's perspective on on playing?
1: Yes, they did.
0: And how was the I guess the uh through the parents and all that. How was the feedback from that? Did it change? Um, what was the impact it had on not only them, but as well as the interactions and the future interactions between them and your son?
1: Um, it changed because again, now they when they see my son outside, they'll play with my son. Um, they'll, you know, knock on my door and say, Can he come out? So it it changed a whole lot. It, it made a big difference. Um, a few of the kids still went and played with them, but um, for the most part, it it changed a lot, and it made me happy to see the change.
0: So, how did you know it was the right time to drop the story? So, like, when when was that moment that you knew, like, okay, this is the incident I want to focus on, and now is the time. That the story's ready to share with the world.
1: Um, again, cause I saw my son wanting to just play with other kids, and you know the kids that they was rejecting him, or when he was outside and they were outside, he still was pretty much by himself because they didn't want to play with him because he he didn't understand. What they were saying and they didn't understand what he was saying so it it just made me feel like something has to change and maybe i should just let this book out and just see if you know how it's how it's accepted um because i held on for the book for two years oh, wow. before i actually released wow. it Um. Because I didn't know if I didn't know if somebody really cared or Mm. if if my story was important to somebody else. Um. And then. You know, people can be cruel. People can be evil. So I just felt like they would just say, "Okay, well, that's their problem, not mine." So. Okay, that's why I just held on to it and um, I was inspired by other another um, author who had the same illustrator that I had. She released her book and I just said, you know what, maybe it's time for me to release my book and not just give the parents some understanding, but to give the kids some understanding because. It was some mean adults that lived on my block as well. Um, you know, hollering at my son, telling my son, get off their grass and stop leaning on their car and not understanding that you hollering at him, but he really don't understand Right, what, what you're that's saying. saying.
0: That's crazy. Yeah. So your illustrator. So I
1: just felt like it was time.
0: Uh, time to drop it.
1: Yeah.
0: So your illustrator, uh, Reggie buyers yeah um how did y'all link up
1: um so Levi Mcmillan um she's also an author and she came to one of my events because she was a um, special instructor and she worked with special needs kids so she um, wanted to donate to what I was doing so when she came out um, we connected from there, and we've been friends for the last two years. So again, when she released her book in January of 2019, I reached out to her and asked her um, about her illustrator. And then um, I really didn't have the funds to pay for an illustrator because some of the prices was outrageous.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: So um, I reached out to her once I saw her book was being released and asked her if she minds sharing her illustrator information where I can contact him and get his pricing and everything. So I reached out, she gave me the information, the contact information. I reached out to him. Um, His prices was reasonable, but I still, again, with me being out of work, I had to make it work so I wasn't taken away from my family. And I was still able to, you know, pay him for his illustration. So his illustration was at a reasonable price. So I just had him do the illustrations. And then I was trying to get a publisher. But those prices for a publisher was also outrageous. And um, the my percentage wasn't that much. So I said, well... Let me look into self-publishing, and that's when I looked into self-publishing. So I did everything on my own, and uh, Reggie did the illustrations. Everything else was all me. I didn't pay for an editor. Um, I self-published with Barnes & Nobles, and I self-published with Amazon. Um, so that's how it's now out there.
0: So – um because obviously this is a story about your son, is it's a story that's close to you, that's dear to your heart. How did you know or did you even know how um the illustration would turn out if they would be the way you wanted them? Did you have an idea of how you wanted them?
1: Um, I just knew that I wanted Jay to look like my son. My son name is Ashley just there mm-hmm. Um, but I was trying to get the title to rhyme a little bit. <laughs> um so that's why I said Jay just wants to play, mm-hmm. um, but I knew I wanted Jay to look like my son. And when he first, when he showed me the first like two or three illustrations, I said, "Oh yeah, this is this is what I want. <laughs> this is exactly what I want." So um, he knew what I wanted without me even saying what I wanted. I sent him a um, a copy of the manuscript and. He just, he took it from there. Like he was outstanding. Like everything was on point. Um, He did great work. And I may have been like <laughs> the, you know, I was worried and like, this was another baby that I was having. So I wanted <laughs> everything to be right. And I wanted to be, you know, come out at the right time. So, um. I was like, kind of like on his back yeah. <laughs> and like, oh, uh, you know, is it ready? Are you right. done yet? And <laughs> is Can I see more? And I just had to, you know, take a step back and say, okay, this takes time. And I want it to be perfect. And Levine had to tell me also like, you don't want to rush them. right? So I just waited patiently and the end result was outstanding. Right. Oh, and yeah, I actually definitely. released the book on my mom's birthday. My family didn't know about the book. They mm. didn't know when it was going to be released. They didn't know when it was going to be available. I just kept it a secret until everything was finished and finalized.
0: And why was that? Why did you, why you keep it a secret?
1: Um, because you know you sometimes have people that that throw them negative thoughts out there, like uh, oh maybe yeah. it's not going to be successful or. You know, so I didn't want to hear that. I just, I wanted to keep it moving. I wanted to, just to wait. I wanted everybody to wait. And sometimes when you tell people about things, you know, they don't. I'm not saying that my family does this, but you know, they. Some people don't pray for your success; they pray for your downfall. So Mm -hmm. I just wanted to keep it to myself and release it to the right people at the right time. And my mom was the first one that knew about it. Like my husband didn't know. It was my mom and my stepdaughter. They were the first two that knew about the book and that the illustrations was getting started.
0: Now, was she surprised that you dropped it on her birthday? Yeah. <laughs> what was her reaction?
1: <laughs> um, um she smiled. She was happy. Um Looked like she wanted to cry a little bit, (laughs) but I wanted to release it on her birthday because sometimes you feel like you may have let your parents down or you didn't go the path that they wanted you to go. So this was something that I wanted my mom to be proud about. Um, So that was one of the reasons why I released it on her birthday. And my mom has always, always, always been a great support for me um even when i was wrong you know sometimes you can't your your parents don't see no wrong and i'm my Mm -hmm. mom's youngest child so (laughs) i'm like her baby
0: right (laughs) and
1: she's very overprotective of me so um that's why i wanted to, to it to be released on her birthday to feel like you know this was not just for me but it was a gift to you to show you that you know, you raised me right. Even though you was a single mom and, you know, it was hard at times and I've may have got on your nerves, but I'm, I'm heading on the right path. (laughs) Wasn't always, you know, the perfect angel. So I just wanted her to see that I was, you know, doing something right.
0: right, definitely. So Jay wants to play. Is this going to be a Just a standalone book or can we expect a series uh, for the J character? Um, What should we expect?
1: So um, I'm I'm wanting it to be a series. I have already started on the second book. Um, It's just the illustrations now. Um, Reggie, uh, he stopped doing other people's work. And he's now doing his own work and making his own, uh, doing a book for himself, and he's also doing other projects for churches and stuff because he is a member of Enon. Okay. So he does a lot of work for Enon, and he does like murals and stuff like that. So he, um, he stopped doing the work for, um, other people, and is now focused on his work. So I'm hoping that you know, he'll come back and continue my character or I can even find somebody that can maybe work the same style and, you know, make Jay look the same in each and every book because I have about, I have one book that's complete, Disney Illustrations, and then I have a third book that's halfway complete. Mm, Nice,
0: nice, nice. Can you see yourself writing, um... Books about other topics, even even for parents, like see yourself writing a book that can help parents as well. You know what I mean? Different genres and things like that.
1: Yes, and I've also started that as well. um Just and it's basically like a book, just telling them that you know what I went through, as far as the first diagnosis and for the first eight years. Um, So my son was diagnosed at two and now he's 10. So that book would be about, um, you know, just not giving up and the steps you can take and um, not forgetting about yourself and not forgetting about the other kids that you may have, the older kids that you may have that may feel left out or that may feel like, oh, he's getting all your attention and now I'm not getting any attention. so that's another book that I'm also working on.
0: So tell me about the moment uh, when you showed Jay his book that had him in it.
1: Um, I didn't think that he would know, but when he looked at the book, he said, that's me. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um So he didn't, he didn't see any of the illustrations. He didn't see anything until it was actually in book form and we got the first shipment that came in the mail and we opened it up and that was his reaction. That's me. (laughs) So he's, he's read the, he read the book with me. Um, We still read the book at times. He reads the book with his therapist um, because he has therapists that come out to the house. So he's read the book with them and. He just told everybody,
0: that's me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so he's pretty excited and then to see his face on the book and to see his face on his shirt. Um he was he was pretty pretty happy.
0: Mm-hmm. So how was that feeling for you? Uh not only as a mother, but as an author as well.
1: Um it made me happy. It it for him to know that. That was him and he has a book out there for just him. Um, uh, The book is also in Hakeem's bookstore on 52nd Street. So for him to know and to see him and his book on a shelf um, made me happy. It was kind of overwhelming a little bit, but I was happy that he was happy.
0: So I did notice that. I did notice that you got your book into a, uh, a few local bookstores. How was that process of approaching them or did they approach you? How was that process of getting the books in there?
1: Um. So the two bookstores that is in, um, well, three, is um one on South, it's four actually, one recently, um on South Street, 4th and South. um I reached out to them. The one that's in my book is also in a bookstore in Hampton, Virginia, and we just actually closed that deal and on my birthday, December thirty first. Um, they reached out to me, hmm. but to the ones here in Philadelphia, I reached out to them. I sent them emails. Um, I followed up with the emails. Um, I went to the stores and. Gave them a copy of the book so they can actually see what the book was about, not just um, having a picture of the cover and the back cover. I went there so they can actually physically hold the book in their hand. Mm -hmm. Um, I shared with them that it's on Amazon. It's on Barnes & Noble. So once they seen it was on Amazon, because that's where they went first. Um, Once they seen that it was on Amazon, they saw the reviews that it was getting on Amazon. Um, they said that they would love to have a book in the store, and the one on South Street, which is called um, Wooden Shoe, Wood and Shoe Bookstore, um, they actually have a disability section oh, wow. in their bookstore, so they wanted the book in their store. So again, I just I just did the finger work with sending emails, and then once I sent the emails, I followed up with doing the footwork and visiting these stores and going out and talking to the managers. Um, The one that's in Hampton, Virginia, um, she actually reached out to me um, through Facebook and um, asked would I be willing to do uh, wholesale. And I said, absolutely. And once I did that, I signed the contract and closed the deal. And now the book is also in Virginia. Nice. And I'm hoping to get it, um, you know, all over
0: so why do you think it's important for local bookstores to support local authors and vice versa
1: um i feel like the kids don't pick up a book and read anymore um everything is social media or youtube or um just you know video games Um, so if I felt like if the book was actually inside of a bookstore, uh, the kids would maybe go in the bookstore with their parents and they'll see the book and they'll want the book. Um, Hakeem, that's a black owned bookstore. So I felt like we should support each other. Um, it's not a lot of. Black businesses out here, and the ones that are out here sometimes get overlooked. So, and that I would say that bookstore has been overlooked for many a years because Mm. I, me myself, I'm guilty of overlooking that bookstore. I didn't realize how many books and how many people or self-publishers that they serve in that bookstore until I actually went in there to try to get my book in there. So yeah. I feel like it's it's very important and maybe we need to bring you know the reading to our kids back like our parents used to do with us when we was growing up. you know sometimes you had to read for about 20 minutes before you can go outside and play or read for 20 minutes before you can get on a video game. So I feel like um, maybe our parents and the parents today should start doing that again.
0: Yeah, definitely. It definitely needed. It's a big difference. It makes a big difference. uh, Yeah. Encouraging children to read. So I saw that you did the Chew and Chat event, um, which was an event where you network with other children book authors from our area. How did that event go?
1: Um, it was nice. It was to know that there's a community out there that's willing to help you succeed and to get ahead and to, um, help you with marketing and, um, to let you know where you may have errors at or where you may have fell short at. It, it was a blessing. Um, just to see that, like, sisters and brothers supporting each other and it's not about oh you gotta pay me for my services or um i need to get paid for my information it was just other offers sharing freely like um i had reached out to libraries to see if i can do a, a story time with the libraries and um one of the libraries out in the county asked me what was my fee so me being a new author, it was like, okay, like, <laughs> I didn't know that I can give you my fee. So it was like, uh, you know, let me get back with you on that. So there was um, Devon Clark, who's also an author. He actually told me, like, don't ever do that again. Like, you ask them, what's their budget? So I never knew that, you know, the libraries even had a budget or that they pay these authors to come out and read to the kids right so it was it was very helpful and um you know to meet other authors and to see you know their process and to talk to authors that went with a publisher versus authors that self-published um it was very helpful and very informational
0: so you also attend like book expos and book festivals um how are those experiences attending those?
1: Oh, um. Again, it was it's it's great to see people of color wanting to write books and to do more, and um, sharing their stories. Um, like one of the authors was, you know, sharing their story about being molested as a child and it was just like it was it was encouraging to see it and um it was just it was nice to see again people of color instead of seeing, you know, other people, you know, the white people. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but, you know, they always, you know, get acknowledgement and you see always see their books, but you don't see a lot of people of color and I can actually get a book that my son can say, Oh, they look like me. Right. They're the same color as me. So it was it was nice to be a part of that and um to see a lot of other African American authors.
0: So what tips would you give someone that has a unique story like you? and that is interested in the idea of writing and publishing that story. Like, what what would be your tip to that person?
1: Um, if you feel like it's a story that needs to be told, put it out there. Um, don't wait. You never know. Uh, you may feel like it's not needed or it's not wanted, but somebody else may feel like this book has helped me out a lot. Or this book has changed me to be a better person, or to look at the world differently. So I would say, put it out there. Don't don't doubt yourself. It's in your heart and in your mind for a reason. So get it out there. Don't don't give up on if it's a dream that you have. Don't give up on your dream. Don't nobody. Don't let nobody talk you out of fulfilling your dream. Um. And again, if you can help, you may not be able to change the world, but if you can change one person, then that's a start.
0: And what's next for Jamila, the author?
1: Um, I want to continue to write. I want to continue to help families. And hopefully I want to one day open up a, a little rec center that's for autism kids. Um, where they can come and play all day and there's no judgment, nobody pointing, nobody making snooty comments about your mom, your dad, or the way that you're playing and just a place where they can run and feel free and a place that they can call their own with no age limits and you know, continue to write, continue to share my story, continue to help other parents.
0: Yeah, that's dope. That's dope. That's dope. that definitely be good, especially in the city. And it'd be real important to have that, like the, the area where you don't get judged.
1: Yep. And there's not much in the urban community um, for kids with autism. Everything. That they do have for kids with autism is like in the far northeast, or is out in Montgomery County, or you know um, Delaware County. But it's really not too much in Delaware County for the kids. So it's like it's. I feel like it's needed, and I grew up in Southwest, so that's my focus and where I want to um, maybe open up the the rec center. Maybe in Southwest to give back to my community and to give back to the people that supported mm-hmm. me
0: along the way. So we about to jump into the believe it or not segment of the podcast, which is Okay. You give you gave me three facts about yourself. Um, one of those facts is not true. I had to figure out which fact is not true, and I also get one question for each fact to assist me in figuring out which one isn't true. So, the first fact was uh, you're married with two kids of your own. You have three bonus kids, which are your stepkids, and you have a bonus grandson. Um, the second fact is your first time doing a speaking engagement to autism families. You didn't realize how many people you would be speaking to, and once you saw the crowd of people, you got nervous and walked out. And the third fact is that you broke your Tibia and fibula, and the Poconos skating with your kids, and your older son fell on you. You tried to catch him. And you're 5'2, and he's 5'7, and he played high school football, defensive end. Damn. They all sound like they could be true. <laughs> they all sound like they can be true. So, number one, You mentioned I just don't know these numbers. I know you mentioned you had stepkids, but I don't I don't know the numbers. Uh, can you name them? Name all the kids.
1: Um, Carlicia is my oldest stepdaughter. Antoine is my oldest stepson, and then it's Jaquan, who's my stepson, and Jamir, who is my son um and just there and then I have my grandson who just turned
0: mm-hmm. okay so the speaking engagement where was the speaking engagement at
1: it was at a school uh in South Philly
0: you broke your fibula, fibula. and a poking those. what what year was that?
1: Um, 2015.
0: Huh. I'm gonna go with because you named all the kids like you didn't even hesitate. So I'm gonna go. <laughs> So that's true. I'm gonna go with number one. It's true. I'm gonna go with number three. Is is a lie. I'm gonna say you didn't break your W no. number two Number two was a
1: lie. I did a speaking engagement, oh. but I didn't walk out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so when was when was that? When was the speaking engagement?
1: That was um, September. Oh,
0: this 10th. oh last year. Damn! Yep. How was that? Like, how was that? Uh, speaking to the family.
1: Um, I was nervous because again, it was my first time speaking. To a, a school and to autism families, I didn't know, you know, what to expect, how they were going to take me, you know, this girl, like, what, what can she tell us? So it was um, a preschool and their kids was uh, recently diagnosed. So it was about 20 to 30 parents, um, plus the teachers and the staff at the school. um. So I was, I was nervous going, I was, you know, I didn't know what kind of questions they was going to ask me, but I just felt like I was called there for a reason. So even though I was nervous, I didn't want my nerves to get the best of me. And I felt like they needed the information mm. that I had to share.
0: And so breaking to the nose and you broke your fibula, how, what the heck happened? <laughs>
1: Um, <laughs> my son, my uh, 18 year old, he's 18 now. uh, he was on skates for the first time and he was, I seen him get ready to fall. So I went over there and I tried <laughs> to break his fall <laughs> and, um, we both ended up falling and my foot mm. went backwards. And I had a a spiral break in my stimulant. You had to get a
0: cast and all that for that? Yeah, I had to
1: get surgery. So I have um, screws and plates in my ankle. Yeah. Mama Bear was trying to (laughs) save Baby Bear. (laughs) But Baby (laughs) Bear was bigger than Mama Bear. (laughs) That's
0: crazy. (laughs) Well um yes. so for everybody out there, uh tell them how they can get in contact with you. Tell them where they can find a book, tell them how to reach you, tell them how they can reach you about autism rec. Um,
1: so autism rec is on Facebook and Instagram. Um, I do share my number. I share my email. Um, my email is Jamila at dot com. And that's J A M I L A at dot com. Um, my phone number is 215-200-0405. Um, I'm also on Facebook and Instagram under Jamila um, M1 on Instagram and Jamila Takamalaro on Facebook um, with Autism Rec. I do try to help parents as much as I can. So I get parents that call and say that they may need food for the week to last them until they get paid or until they get their food stamps. So I do, I help other parents um, any way I possibly can. So if you need any help, any resources, um, I do have resources available. I'm connected with uh, special needs lawyers and special needs uh, attorneys. So if you ever need um, a special needs lawyer, because you're not getting the services that you need for your child at school or at home. Um, I do have those resources, so please feel free to email me, call me, um, if you just need someone to talk to. I'm I'm here. It no matter what time of day or what time of night it is, I'm available because I know it's not easy, and sometimes we need that person. To talk us off the ledge. So I'm here. I'm available. Again, my phone number is 215 200 0405. So anytime, or you can reach me on Facebook or Instagram. If you can send me a message via Messenger, or you can DM me on Instagram. I'm here and I'm available.
0: All right, Jamila, we appreciate you stopping through on the Fiction Addiction Podcast and sharing your amazing story with us and we definitely will share all these links and your contact information in the description below the podcast so thank you for your time and thank you for sharing your story with us.
1: no problem thank you for having me thank you for letting me share
0: thank you for joining us on the fiction addiction podcast Make sure you visit FictionAddictionPodcast.com for links on everything we
1: talked about today, as well as awesome resources,
0: additional tips, and Fiction Addiction merchandise.